0: You know, I preached my first Christmas Eve service in 1987, so that was 35 years ago. And every time I get up to speak on Christmas Eve, I'm nervous. You know, I always remember the story of the pastor as he was making his way down the center aisle to get to the back at the end of a Christmas Eve service, and you know, he wanted to get to the back and just greet everybody, and, and as he was walking down the aisle, he was really de- dejected. You know, he, he he just knew he had rambled, that his thoughts were really scattered, that he hadn't really made sense. And somewhere in the midst of all that, he had just spoken way, way too long. And as he walked down the aisle, he was just really dejected. And so he was trying to put on a good face and just greet everybody as they were leaving. And, and somewhere in the midst of that, this woman stopped and she said, you know, pastor, Tonight, your message really reminded me of God's peace and his love. And he he just kind of brightened up just a little bit. And he said, wow, how how so? And she said, you know, I read in the Bible that God's peace passes all understanding. And I didn't understand a thing that you said. (laughs) You know, and and she said, and it talks about God's love endures forever. And he said, and I thought your sermon was going to go on forever. You know, so I don't want to be I don't want to have that kind of feeling when I'm going down the aisle. So I just want to get into it quickly and deal with it. And, and and I want to share a thought. I want to take my cue out of a passage that Pastor Steve read for us for just a moment ago. and it was a reaction of Mary to everything that was happening while she was caring for the baby, Jesus, in the manger. The scripture tells us that she was treasuring, All these things in her heart and pondering, wondering what all these things meant. You know, and I don't think our English translation there does us any favors. Because that idea of treasuring kind of creates this sentimental kind of feeling, you know. I, I, I don't know about you. I think my wife put it perfectly. So it gives you a sense that I, she's kind of, all right, what am I going to put in this scrapbook, right? So I'll have it for Jesus down the road, you know. Where am I going to get his first sandals bronzed? And we have this sentimental kind of look to it. And, and that is not what that, that word means at all. Mary's sitting in the manger And when it says that she is treasuring all these things, remember, this is an oral society. And so she's taking everything that she's experiencing, everything that she's hearing, and she's trying to lock it away in a file where she won't forget it so she can get it back out and think about it. Because what's going on with Mary, I think, is something that happens to a lot of us at Christmas. She knows why what's happening is happening, but she doesn't really understand. Right? She, she really doesn't understand. She knows that God is up to something. She just doesn't understand what God is up to. I mean, she had received an angelic visit, had she not? I mean, this angel showed up and said, you are favored by God, and, and you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to a child, and that child is going to be named Jesus, and he's going to be called the Son of God. He's going to be called great, son of the most high. And, and she had heard all that stuff, and, but somehow or another, she really didn't understand what God was up to. She had gone to visit her relative, Elizabeth, who had become pregnant late in her journey, right? And well beyond the time. And when they met her, her her um, the child within her leapt, and, and this words of praise came out to Mary. And Mary, she, she heard it all, but she didn't really understand what it meant. She didn't have any doubt believing that the angels had showed up and met the shepherds and sent them to Bethlehem looking for the baby Jesus. She, she didn't have any problem believing any of that stuff, but she didn't really understand what was going on. So she treasured them so that she could ponder what they really meant and see how that was all gonna work out. And and, and you know, part of the way we see her confusion, even in the very next chapter. The latter part here of chapter 2 in in the book of Luke, you know, the the scripture tells us they used to take Jesus on a regular basis up to the temple for the festivals. And and when he was 12 years old, they took him there, and and they had gone to the festival. And when the caravan, when the bus had left for Nazareth, he stayed behind. And they were all in a panic because they didn't know where he was. And when they finally found him in the temple, what he said to them, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? the temple, and, 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 and Mary, and the scripture tells us that Mary and Joseph just didn't understand what he meant. They didn't, they didn't really get that relationship that he had with the Heavenly Father, and it even gets worse in the Gospel of Mark. You know, Jesus' ministry is starting to become public, and he's starting to come into conflict, starting to rub the authorities the wrong way, and he heals somebody on the Sabbath, and his words going out, and, and they show up, to restrain Jesus and take him home because they think he 's lost his mind you know and, and so she knows that god's up to something but she doesn't really understand what it is that God is doing and I, and I think when we get to Christmas that's that's the story for a lot of us it's a story for a lot of us we, we know some of the facts about Christmas at least the way the Church celebrates it. We know about the angels, you know. We know about the manger and Bethlehem and the star and the wise men and the shepherds and all that kind of. But we, we understand. We understand the, We've heard about the swaddling clothes and all those kind of the, the full in, and we, we know all the pieces to the story. But we really don't understand. We really don't get what it is that God is doing. Right? We, we might even know the end of the story. Right? Because you not only come on Christmas, you also come on Easter. So you know about the fact that Jesus gets resurrected from the from the dead and all those kinds of good pieces. But somewhere in the midst of that, we're a lot like Mary. But sometimes we're really not pondering the treasure that we have in the way that we need to. And what I want to invite do tonight is invite you to take a step of faith, to move from knowing to understanding. Understanding what it means that today 2,000 years ago today a child was born for us in Bethlehem who is our savior now, you know As you go along that journey of 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 faith as you as you process through that I want to remind you of something And I think we can see this come out of the text, you know what, what did the shepherds do after the angels had encountered them? It said they went, and, they, and they, after taking one last look over the herds, making it sure they were all set up or whatever, they made their way straight into Bethlehem to discover what they had been told. The wise men... We didn't read their story tonight, but they saw a star in the sky. They they knew that that was the signal of something that was taking special and taking place in Palestine. And they made the long journey to discover what they had seen. And I want to remind us tonight that in order for us to take the step of faith, to be on the journey of faith, it's a journey of discovery. It's not a journey of invention. You know, it's God has acted. He has revealed. He has shown. And so, for us, the journey of faith is to discover what it is He has shown us is truth. We do not need to invent something that kind of kind of catapults us, if you will, into the presence of God. You know, um, and 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 I th- I think that's an important word for us. I, you know, in many ways, the journey of faith is a lot like being an archaeologist. Right, it, it's 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 pulling back the stuff that covers the the truth that has gone before, the reality that was there earlier. You know, uh, Christina and I were just recently in Texas for for a family wedding, and and uh, we got to have dinner with a seminary friend of mine, and uh, his name and he was an Old Testament. Uh, st- he got a he got a Ph.D. in Old Testament, and and I, <laughs> I'll never forget when he got married. Right, they, he they got married, and they went to Israel on an archaeological dig. So I don't know if you know what that means in the middle of the summer. They got up like at 3 a.m. and started digging like about 4.30. And then they stopped about noontime because it got so hot. And then they went back out about 5 and dug to about 9. And and I'm thinking, what kind of a honeymoon is that? You know, but that, that, that imagery of, you know, brushing back the dirt being careful discovering it's not like they went back to the hotel and just printed up some fossil on a 3d printer and then put it in the grounds hey look what i found right and and i i'm concerned about that because we live in an era of invention we think the only stuff that's cool the only stuff that matters is stuff that's been invented recently you know (laughs) i When I think about the era of invention, when I was in college, the -the state-of-the-art piece of technology was an IBM Select typewriter. Anybody old enough to remember what that was like? So for those of you who don't know, I mean, it used to be you typed, and when you made a mistake on the page, you just pulled it all out, and you threw it away, and you started over again, or you just went through gallons of this white stuff that you put on the pages and typed over the top of it. But an IBM Select type, you could actually type out the entire line, and it would be on this little screen on the typewriter, and you could check it for any mistakes, and then you could hit the return key, and it would print it all out, and the carriage would park back, and the page would advance. And, and that was state-of-the-art. Now you and I, we talk to our computers. We just say, hey, Alexa, what's the temperature in Green Bay? We just say, hey, Google, how far is the moon from the Earth? We just talk to our, it's like Star Trek, right? I mean, we, we, live, in this, we, we live in a time where, where invention is taking place. Over Apple reveal events are now something that people circle on their calendars. And people queue up at stores to make sure they have the latest gadget. You know, and, and I'm one of those guys. I'm not against invention. I was the first guy in my office to have a brick phone. Anybody remember what those were? They were like a cell phone. is was about that big. Right now we just stick it with the tiny things. whatever. And, and, and I was the first one to have one. They all made fun of me. What are you going to do with that? And then the next thing you know, they all had them. But then they were the chicken nugget phones, the ones you flipped over, you know. Kind of but we, 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 you know, we, I, I'm not against invention, but I got to tell you, you cannot move from knowing to understanding if you're trying to invent a God for your life, because God's already revealed himself, and we see it in the child who's in the manger. You know, and I, I think some of this is seeping into the church. Uh, I, I went to the installation service of another clergy member of a different denomination uh, a few years back. And essentially the charge that was given to this individual as they started their ministry in this church was was to define for yourself your own orthodoxy and then be faithful to it. We're not going to find God that way because we don't need to invent God. We need to discover who God has showed himself to be. And 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 that's and that's a power. So I that's why we here at Hope Chapel are always encouraging people get into the Word, read the Bible, you know. And and I, I hope tonight that you will accept the gift that God has given. That you know, in in the Book of Hebrews it tells us that in these last days, even though God has talked to us in many ways and through many people over the years, in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. I would pray that you would would even put the imperfect Christians and the imperfect churches that are in your past, set them aside, and let God speak to you from his son, directly from his son, that you find in the scriptures. I want to make sure you discover two things before you get out of here tonight, and with this, I'll close. First of all, I want you to discover from our text tonight that we've read this fact. God cares about you. God cares about you. He's given you the greatest gift that you could get. He has met your biggest need because He has provided a Savior. He's given a Savior. You know, and, and that's what was announced to, 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 uh, to Joseph. It's what was announced to Mary. It's what was announced to the angels. It's what John the Baptist came to prepare us for, for the reception of a Savior. God has met our biggest need. He has given us a Savior. I will tell you in my 35 years of pastoring, the two extremes that I encounter when people think about this need of, do I really need a Savior, if you will? On one end are those who had said, you know what? When it comes to me, that ship has sailed. You know, I, I am beyond saving. You know, if, if you just knew who I've hurt, if you just knew what I've done, if you just know really knew who I am, you would know that God cannot redeem me. I am not savable. I'm beyond that. That ship has sailed. And, and listen, I, I, you know, those who live in glass houses should not throw stones, but I want to tell you, in all the gentleness that I can muster, that is the stupidest thing that you could think. Right? God redeemed a person who had a license to kill Christians. His name was Saul. And we know him as the Apostle Paul. The shepherds in our story tonight, in the ancient world, they were not allowed to testify in the court of law because they were they were considered to be that they, it was impossible for them not to lie and not to steal. That that's the way they were looked at. They were they were unreliable witnesses because they did not know how to tell the truth, and yet God spoke to them. Because God's salvation can reach anyone. On the other end, are those who were say, you know, I'm a good person, you know, I, I you know I, I'm a great neighbor. I'm a good employee, or I'm a good employer, and, and you know I just, I just, I'm just a good person, you know, and 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 I think I'm just going to get in, and, and I'm not going to argue with any of that. I'm just going to tell you that biblically, that's not the question. The question is not whether you're a good person. The question biblically is whether or not you're righteous in the eyes of God. And God has clearly communicated to us in His Word that none of us are righteous that's why jesus came and and the scripture tells us in in corinthians said he who knew no sin became sin so that you and i can become the righteousness of god in him so discover tonight that god has already met your greatest need he's already given you the greatest gift and that's the gift of a savior John put it this way, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the other thing I want you to discover tonight. And it's a, it, it, it's, it's a word that we just jump over so easily because when the, the angels appeared to the shepherds out in their fields at night, they said, today is born for you in Bethlehem right? A Savior. And we just jump up, with, and we miss that little word, you. And, and, and he's talking about the shepherds. The angel's clearly talking about the shepherds. They needed a Savior. He's talking about everybody who was hustling and bustling around the, seats, the streets of Palestine like Mary and Joseph, trying to find a place to stay while they were out to be enrolled as a part of this, this enrollment that took place underneath Caesar Augustus, you know he—he—you he, know—it was all those people. It was—it—it it was not only the wise men, but every single person who lived in any of the villages that they passed on the thousand miles before they got to Bethlehem. It's every—it's everybody who was drawing breath in the first century, and it's everybody who's drawing breath in the 21st century. It's a continual plural. I don't know if that's really a combination you can put together, but that's, that's, my, that's the way I understand it. When he uses the word you, he said that the angels are saying, today in Bethlehem, a Savior is born for you. Everybody you know, everybody who's drawing breath on the planet right now, and everybody who's ever going to draw breath on the planet, both forwards and backwards, it's you And I invite you to embrace the fact that you need a Savior. And then, as you embrace that Savior, it will de- indeed be good news and bring great joy in your journey. Some of you might ask, well, how do I do that? I mean, and, and, and again, this isn't a process of us needing to invent an experience that somehow catapults us into the, into the uh, place of God, into the, into the presence of God. This is simply discovering how it is that God has set up that path for us to connect with him. And and I don't want to oversimplify, but I don't think I'm I'm missing the mark either when I say It's simply acknowledging or admitting that we need a Savior, believing that Jesus is that Savior, and committing our lives to follow him in faith. Just the ABCs. Admitting, believing, and committing. And, And when you and I take that step, and we discover the gift that God has already given to us in Jesus Christ. We come to experience, not just knowing, but understanding what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. So I'm no angel, but I want to I play the role of an angel tonight. And use the terminology to say, today it's my pleasure to announce that in Bethlehem, the city of David, a Savior has been born for you. Just don't know it, understand it, as you place your faith in him. Let's pray together. God, I'm grateful that we can trust you. Every single moment of every single journey, you prove to us that you are faithful. You are trustworthy, and we can rely on you. God, thank you for revealing truth to us. And in these moments as we seek to discover, not just to know but to discover, to understand, give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you are speaking to us tonight. For I pray it in Jesus' name, amen, amen.